Talk, those that are here live with us in our studio audience and also those that are watching us live. Now I'm gonna hit you guys with a question right off the top. How many, how many of you guys know that the kids are our future? Would you guys agree with that? Absolutely. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about early childhood education. We need to actually understand what the importance of it is. Now, there's a lot of us here in our studio audience who actually know what that's about. There's a lot of people who are watching who knows and understands early childhood education. But those who don't, we need to actually bring awareness to it because the children are our future. And we need to understand the importance of it. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to shed some light on early childhood education. Now, in order to do that, we invited Chris Hall, who is the CEO of Rocky Mountain Sur, here located in Denver, Colorado. So without further ado, let's welcome Chris Hall. Hey. How you doing, Chris? Doing good, Maurice. How you doing? I'm doing well. That's good. Now, for those who first time meeting you, mm -hmm. do me a favor and just give us a little background on Rocky Mountain Sur and just a little information on you. All right, real quick. Rocky Mountain Sur began in 1980 as war on poverty. We started off with the NFJP grant, which is Migrant Farm Worker Seasonal Grant. In 1984 was our first grant that we had written to the feds to offer Head Start. We started off in the Western Slope, and then from there we've just been growing, growing, growing. Right now we serve uh, 1,400 mm -hmm. kids throughout the state of Colorado. So technically we are the largest early childhood provider throughout the state of Colorado as well as in region, in region 8, according to the federal standards. Okay. Myself, I am the CEO for Rocky Mountain Sierra. I've been with Rocky Mountain Sierra for roughly about eight years. Started off with Rocky Mountain Sierra as the CFO. I was there for six um, years in that position, then got promoted up to CEO for about two and a half years now. Okay. So now we have the background on Rocky Mountain Sierra, Chris Hall. I want you guys to understand the, Rocky, uh, the background regarding early childhood education, as he mentioned, uh, Head Start. So give us a little bit of background because um, Head Start program started off a long time ago. Way a long time ago. Long t more, much further back when, before Rocky Mountain State has started itself. It started with President Linda B. Johnson. Okay. And this, this program has been in, in effect for about 52 years now. And when Lyndon B. Johnson signed that um, declaration, it was a war on poverty. A lot of programs got birthed out of the war on poverty. Right now, Head Start is probably pretty much one of the only uh, war on poverty programs that's still alive and mm. still exists and is being funded by millions and billions of dollars right now. But we have some also outcomes. We, we help those that are, that are low income, that those are in poverty, but then also those that are pretty much right there at that threshold. We're doing awesome things for those little children that's between the ages of three to five, but then also giving that support services to the parents and families that also need help. Gotcha. You know, there's something about um, the Head Start program, when you're talking about the definition and what, what, it, what it means and what its originally intent was. Mm -hmm. Now. The phrase low income. Now, when you think about low income, I'm sure everybody right now, if I said low income to you, if, I, if you took a second, you would have a perception. Would you, would you agree? Okay, you can almost manifest in your mind what you think low income is all about. Now, how has that, that perception affected the program? It, it affected very greatly because it's, it's almost a direct relation with poverty. And low income not necessarily means that you're in poverty. I think that I'm low income because I'm not making the, the amount of money that big time um, 
middle class or upper class is making, but society has put us in certain categories. Mm -hmm. So low income is, is, is almost basically people of poverty that is considered low income. A person could be living check by check, may not be in poverty, but that's still considered low income. They're still struggling to pay their bills and we're trying to figure out what my retirement is going to be like when mm -hmm. I retire at 62 or will I be able to, to retire at 62? Sure. You know, sure. doing those during this type of times that we are currently in. So technically, low income is, is almost directly related to poverty. Um, if you're one check away, you consider almost poverty. Okay. Now, take it into the next level. What is Head Start program besides helping those that are in low income based on the definition of it? Mm -hmm. why, is it why does it even exist? It existed during the, the civil rights movement. And, and um, people of the community was fighting with Congress and saying, we need programs. We need to figure out a way of how to educate our children. And so that's how it got started. Head Start is technically a community-based program. Mm. They really want the community to get involved with the Head Start program. We, we talk about non-federal share. Non-federal share is technically if I could get you into our program to help donate some services or even donate some goods or even volunteer, because Head Start is meant for the community to take get involved in the child's education right now, because early childhood education is so very important. Absolutely. So it's basically a community-based organization. Okay. That's why it was first originally started. Now, what age group does it take care of? So Head Start is from three to five years okay. old. Now, then we also started off with what is called Early Head Start. Early Head Start is, is from birth to three years old. Okay. Because we're saying that when a, a mom is pregnant, you can start giving services to that pregnant mom to help get her um, health care and all these other necessary things that will affect the baby when the baby is born. Sure. So then we start um, taking the child after they're born and they be considered as, as infants then we will sing to the child at daycare, read to the child. The child will start developing those very um, important developmental skills that is going to be needed throughout their lifetime. Gotcha. So now, when you think about the importance of early childhood education, in that age range, if you guys can imagine, that's when a lot of development is happening. But also during that development, what can you figure out during that developmental time, time frame? That's a good question, uh, Maurice. We, we find out if that child is, is um, mentally unstable, physically unstable, or have a learning disability, which we consider an IEP, Individual Education Plan. Head Start is very important in a child's development, as I would say. Between those years of three to five, we can kind of identify, say, hey, Maurice, and, and go to your parents. Maurice is not reading at an appropriate level, or Maurice is not picking up those necessary skills of learning their ABCs or one, two, three. They're really struggling on phonics. Or, or they're, not, they're not reading or, or looking at the numbers correctly. They may be suffering from dyslexia, or whatever the case may be. We identify the, that, that information and give it to the parents. But also, the next step for the child in school readiness is for them to go into kindergarten, first and second grade. We take that information and start working with the local school districts. Okay. So now that we understand how Head Start works with kids prior to kindergarten, right? Correct. Okay. 
So now let's take it from a, another angle. Let's look at it as a child not going to um, early childhood education. Let's say he goes straight to kindergarten. Mm -hmm. What's, how does that affect a kid at seventh grade? We, we could say it affects a kid at kindergarten. Because a lot of times if a child is, it doesn't have that home environment, let's say the nurturing home environment where a mom or dad is staying at home with the child or a grandparent staying at home with the child and then teaching them their ABCs or one, two, threes. That child was technically almost what is, could be considered as left behind mm. because they may start at a lower level. A child that gone through Head Start is going to start at a higher level. And what usually happens is that a teacher has to figure out how can I teach this child that's coming up here at a higher level and then teaching this child that doesn't really know their ABCs and one, two, threes. So there's almost a disadvantage for one for the child that's coming in the lower level, but also another disadvantage for the child that's starting up high because the teacher has to figure out a way to bring this thing together. And so now sometimes this, this child here get kind of bored. Then that's where you start kind of seeing the behavior problems that happens in school, and then they go on to the, 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 to the next years. But Head Start is so very important versus a child not staying at, the, versus a child staying at home and not going through the preschool age um, schooling is the developmental. We also teach them uh, family-style dining, mm. something that we technically get away from nowadays. <laughs> I would say I don't even do that kind of family-style dining at home anymore. But they're teaching them that. They're also teaching them um, how to brush their teeth after every meal. We're we, we really teaching them those behavior, life skill skills that they can be able to use throughout. Absolutely. Now, I want you guys to think about it. You guys remember parent-teacher conferences, right? Have you, you remember those uh, instructions from the teacher when you say, well, your kid's not up to par. Your kid may not be. Well, what if that kid was a creative? Maybe they understand and pick up things a lot differently. But without the early childhood education, you may not be able to pick up those things. The teacher, that, that's, a, that's a, a blueprint almost, if you will. That's correct. For that teacher to say, oh, okay, here's the situation. Here's how I can be effective for that child. And that's what we need to look at, those type of things. Would you, would you agree with that? I agree with that because we, if we can identify a child that may have a learning disability early in life versus figuring out this child have a learning disability in sixth or seventh grade, that that would make a huge difference. Because if we start addressing the problem now, when that child gets older, we're going to be able to so far down the road, this child may not need to be on an IEP plan. Versus when a child coming in, we've, we're just now identifying this child need to be on IEP at sixth or seventh grade, then they reading at a second or third grade level, man, we are behind the mark. Right. So we got to do a lot of things to get this child caught up if we would have figured this thing out at the ages between three to five. Absolutely. And it's, you know, one thing I, in, in meeting with you, one thing I learned is that some kids are just creatively driven. Mm -hmm. So what about those kids? I mean, you can actually identify, should, I, should this kid go into arts and, you know, arts program to, to drive that creative niche in that person? So, go ahead. Go I was going to say, I could use my son for an example. He is so mechanically inclined, and he loves to work with his hands more. Reading a book did not interest him at all. But when I figure out um, that he was not reading at that appropriate grade level, I start getting him car books then that just piqued his interest. And I said, man, he's really into cars. So he said, you know what, Dad? I wanted to be a, a mechanic and, and own my own car dealership or my own car shop. But 
not every child is going to have the same learning style as the next child. My daughter, she just loved to read. She would get the book and just read automatically and just read through the novels and, and different things of that nature. But my son wasn't. He learned by doing versus just reading. Yeah, that's right. You know, there's a, a specific law that's been passed a long time ago, um, some years back, and it's no kid left behind. How does that affect that child's push through, regardless of the, the educational system? Right. No child left behind was, was, is literally no child left behind is, I'm going to pass this child all the way through, regardless of their education level, regardless if they are picking up the necessary skills. I would say no child left behind is that, Maurice, you're struggling in this math. I'm going to give you extra help in, in order for you to succeed in math and so you can pick it up. That's no child left, left behind because you was not left behind in your education learning. But right. that's what this, this, this law is doing. It's just pushing the kids along. We just worry about pushing them through the, through, the, through the schools and through the grades instead of really saying, hey, Let's sit down at their level. Let's really figure out if they're good at math or really right. if they're good at reading or they're good at science or they're good at music, whatever the case may be. Now let's try to tailor their education to what they're good at. Then hopefully we can hone in these other um, subject areas that they're not good at. That's right. But that's no child left behind. That's it. And, you know, <clears throat> when kids feel that over and over again, year after year, inadequacy kicks in. That's where you find the dropout rate because of that inadequacy. Maybe they didn't feel like they couldn't keep up because of that one thing that they would just miss the mark. So we have to really pay attention. This is why programs like these are so important to actually nurture and make sure that these schools are around so they can continue helping families. So we're, what we're learning is this not a, it's not an income situation. Yes, the law has been passed specifically for this, but it's not a, this is not, this is, it doesn't matter what income, it's a person, it's a personal thing. So we really need to pay attention to that and make the, make the distinction. So now, what are some of the issues facing this program then? Right now, of course, we're dealing with budget cuts. Trump has in his budget proposal for this coming up October 1st to cut this program by 16%. That is major. If he cut this program by 16%, that is $1.5 billion that is going to be taken away out of the Head Start program. What that equates to is 147,000 children that will not get served um, this upcoming year. So when we talked about earlier the difference between a child that's going through um, Head Start versus a child not going through Head Start, that would be 147,000 kids that will not be able to receive those educational services coming up. Gotcha. So then let's, let's make sure we understand that um, because that, that's very key. The, every state, if I'm understanding correctly, is allocated certain funds to actually fund the Head Start program. Is that correct? Correct. Is it correct? Okay. So with that being said, in the state of Colorado overall, and we have some figures here so we can kind of look at it as a whole, in the state of Colorado, how many funds are allocated towards Colorado as a whole? As a whole in Colorado, $92 million is allocated to, for Colorado as a whole. Okay. But what you have on the screen is $9.5 billion. That's nationwide. Okay. Okay? And then funded early Head Start, we only serve nationwide 149, roughly 150,000 kids hmm. from the ages of 
um, zero, which is infants, to three years old. And then the funded amount for Head Start is 171,000 kids. <laughs> Throughout the whole, the whole country, that's not a lot of children. I have some information here that I want to share with you, yeah, please, uh, Maurice. Please. There are 2.5 million children between the ages of three to five that is in poverty. That 771,000 only makes up 30%. This $9.5 billion is not even hitting the masses. We still have roughly almost 2 million kids that is not being helped in early childhood education. Wow. And the same thing applies for the early Head Start. Early Head Start is 2.5 million also that are from the ages of 0 to 3 that is in poverty. This funding only funds 6% across the nation. Mm. So we're, we're really hurting. Instead of Trump's administration want to take $1.5 billion away from early childhood education and put it towards defense or put it towards the wall, we need to ask for $1.5 billion back into this program so we can add more services instead of cutting the services. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's the difference here. You know, again, for those... When, when it comes to a political, we're not trying to make this a political thing. We're just trying to bring, shed some light because, again, the topic is the light in early childhood education. We need to shed light on this whole thing because this is, this is a big deal. So the choice that Chris is talking about is we'll have something stagnant, but then the children are our future. Go on Facebook and see what's going on about our, gen, our generation, our next generation now. That generation is the most influential generation for the kids Chris is talking about. If these kids miss out on those things for that, stag for that stagnant wall, understand, they'll be making decisions for a lot of us that we don't want them to decide on. So this is an important issue, and this is why we, we need to make sure that we understand and make sure we clearly know what we're actually going for and what we're pushing for. So now, how do you guys able to address these issues? Currently, are you guys able to find partnerships? What, what's going on with this? The idea is, is we're, we're trying to, I would say, tackle this beast before it happens. Yeah. So we, we're trying to create more partnerships for one. Talk to um, corporate foundations, regular foundations, individual donors to help in um, subsidizing some of these funds for Rocky Mountain Searside. If Rocky Mountain Sierra get hit with by this 16% um, budget cut, we'll be faced with $2.7 million cut out of our program. So that also equates to about a couple of hundred kids that we won't be able to serve. Mm -hmm. We are trying to also, one, is diversify our funding stream more to be able to offer more services. I already stated earlier that there's not enough money or not enough, I would say, facilities to be able to serve all the children. Mm -hmm. But we still, those children are still are, are without. We want to be able to help a lot of those other children that's, that's not receiving the early childhood services. Gotcha. You know, real quick, I want to actually hear a couple of testimonials when we talk about early childhood education and, you know, some of the positive results that came out of, uh, you know, persons going, going through it. So I want to defer our attention to Sandra over here. Um, she participated in early childhood education growing up as well. So just want to hear a little bit of feedback from you and what do you feel about it? Rocky Mountain Sarah is 
It's a great program. I was actually in Head Start myself. And um, my son, which is here next to me, mm-hmm. um, they, uh, they helped identify that he, he needed an IEP. And I didn't even know what an IEP was. Sure. So um, they put a plan together for him, and it really it helped him out so much that by the time he got to sixth grade, he did not need an IEP mm. anymore. That's awesome. But if they wouldn't have identified it and put a plan together for him, he would have probably struggled so much during elementary, uh, middle school. And I believe that, you know, if a child doesn't get the help that they need, well, first of all, if it's not identified, the child doesn't know, you know, what's wrong with them. Absolutely. So once, you know, you get the help that the child needs and everything is provided for them to help them, you know, get to the next level. By the time they're in middle school and hopefully in high school, they will no longer need an IEP. And that's that's a big struggle for children who don't know that they have an IEP. But if their parents, you know, if they don't know about it, if their teachers don't have the tools to identify it right. or if they don't provide it for the children um i believe it causes a big effect i agree and let's hand the mic to your son real quick so if i understand correctly you're in college right now yes, right I go ahead put it up uh, yes i am <laughs> sorry about that go ahead and show your deep voice man. <laughs> <laughs> yes i am <laughs> yes uh, i well, go to uh, csu pueblo okay and i'm going to my second year now okay awesome so what do you feel like the program has done for you oh well the program will open up a wider door of opportunity for me i mean without the iep then like my mom said we will will not be able to identify it so sure. i'll probably be struggling through high school probably well yeah definitely with the iep help me in the long run awesome mm-hmm. correct congratulations on you going to college thank it's you. actually yes. give a round of applause and thank you, Sandra, for you know all your work and sticking it through. And I know that communication piece really helped you out to actually be able to know, be able to identify, and able to move through. And I help, I'm sure that helped your confidence with it. Would you guys agree with that? Yes, we totally agree, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, guys. I'm going to go ahead and defer to this uh, John 1. As everybody knows, and for those that are first time with Executive Talk, I always like to put scripture in. But we're going to refer to John 1, 5, which reads, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Chris, what does that mean to you when it comes to this program? Right now, this program is light. This is a beacon of light, beacon of hope. Hope is faith. And I know people go through this program because they they need that light. They have hope. They have hope for their child that they're going to be something great. That something great may be a lawyer or a doctor or whatever the case may be, or even be the first one to graduate from high school We'll be the first one to graduate from college. Mm. That's that hope. Light is hope in this dark and ever-present world that we're living in today. We need more positiveness. We don't need all of the the bad stuff on social media that these kids get to to watch and see and on TV. The violence is, is, is crazy right now. Children don't need to see that. Children need to see the positiveness of helping them and developing in their growth. Children are sponges. They will soak up everything that you put in front of them, and they will soak up everything that you say to them. So if we're able to read and and sing and 
do positive things with the children. They're going to be that, that light that we truly need in today's dark world. Absolutely. So is there anything that you would like to leave off for the audience, for those watching, for those that are interested in helping out Rocky Mountain Sir, what would your final thoughts be? You know, one final thought would be, and it's part of the light in this darkness world, is dealing with the budget cuts. I, I think people truly need to be more aware of what's happening in, in, in today's government and how Trump is planning on building the wall or, or putting a lot of money in defense. He has to take money from somewhere in order to put it somewhere. And this is one of a, a major program that he's taken away from to put it somewhere. So we're taking away from our kids in education and put it to a wall in defense. It's kind of contradicting of what we believe America stands for. We're truly not are helping those that are in need. We're truly not giving people a chance to make it because we've taken away from our chance. Some people may flee to this country so that their child can have a good early childhood education and be able to go through the ranks in education. But we've taken that opportunity away. Yes, but I just wanted to leave that with you all about the funding is very crucial right now. We need more advocates out there to call, call the congressmen and the senators or write letters or even come by to the office and sit down and talk. Or if you want to read to the children, I'm, we're more than welcome for you all to come and read to the children as well. Awesome. You know, I want to leave you guys with some final thoughts. We, we've heard, and the word that keeps on coming in, the light part of it is opportunity, a chance. There's an opportunity. It's nothing worse than having a parent who feels like they failed their child. That is horrible. Because once the kid sees a, a, a parent give up, then the, the kid is doubly just not feeling good. It just makes it worse. We need to really understand the impact on these families that's happening at, at home. To give a child an opportunity to say that they can that they can push through, that they can actually see who, how they were built is the most important thing for our future. And that's what we're nurturing here. That's what Chris and their, what their program is nurturing, their future, which is here. And as soon as this heart, as you guys know, as soon as the heart closes up, that's when the opportunity becomes dark. Okay, We need to be able to have that light shine through so that way the darkness does not overcome it. And these are, that's what school is all about, is to give that opportunity, just that opportunity for that person, for that creative person to actually be out there and say, yes, I am the light. I can do this. So I really want everybody to really open up and really engage in this, in this opportunity to actually understand what this really means. As I mentioned earlier, and as Chris was talking about, yes, we were talking about today's administration. It is a big deal. We need to understand the difference and where money is coming from in order for that to happen. No matter what you voted, it is what it is. The point is we need to understand what this money means and what it's taken away from. And we need to make sure we understand what opportunity that we're, we're taking away. Please get involved. This is how we get involved in our neighborhood. Our neighborhood is hurting right here. Please come down, read a book to a kid, spend time, see if you can be part of the board. These are some of the things that you can be part of. Funding always helps. But these are all, always the things that we can put together in order to become a community for schools like this. 
I would like for everybody to continue the conversation. First of all, thank you, Rocky Mountain Surf, for being on here and telling us your story. Thank you for having us. We would like to con continue sharing this. Check us out on LinkedIn, on Pinterest, on Facebook, on Twitter, and just keep the conversation going. Share it with your friends and let people know we're here to help. We want to thank you guys for joining us here live on Executive Talk. You for joining in and watching our show. Actually, Chris and I, we actually have to get back to work. So you guys have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Appreciate it.